listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. Welcome to episode 60, Raising Hell. And what are we discussing this week, Barnabas? So this week, Samael, we're going to be discussing uh, first a really cool older flick, and then we're going to get into kind of the works of the great master behind that story, Clive Barker. Yes, Clive. We already had a Wes Craven discussion and then after having uh, a viewing of Rawhead Rex, me and Barnabas for the first time last week, Barnabas decided like, yo, it would just be a good idea if we just discuss Clive Barker. So I got all caught up on all all my stuff basically and mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yes, and uh, even the first news article has some relation. We're going to get into that pretty soon though. But first, of course, we do have to give a shout out as always to Sports Radio Detroit, our gracious host network. Yes, yes, the greatest of all time. You can find them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you just type in Sports Radio Detroit, SRD, not Detroit Sports Radio. Get it right. Indeed. So, uh, we do have one more special shout-out as well to give out. Uh, I've been talking to the awesome host of a podcast called Drive Through Cinema, Ooh. Uh, Raquel. So, they have a really cool show where they go driving and they talk about movies basically and they like see the movie and nice and uh, talk about it. So, it's a pretty cool podcast. Um, they do not just horror but all kinds of films uh, and they're pretty new. So, Drive Through Cinema, I know they're on Spotify for sure. So, go check them out. Just wanted to give them uh, a shout out. Yeah, I, I saw something about them recently on Instagram. So, yeah. go check them out. We are, of course, uh, going to get right into the show here with some horror news. So what has been going on in the world of horror, Samael? This first uh, bit of news is probably like the most relevant here. Yeah, so the great, quote unquote, David S. Goyer, uh, who wrote The Dark Knight, is writing a reimagining of Hellraiser. And honestly, I'm sort of skeptical with all like the shitty recent Hellraiser movies, like the straight to Netflix ones. So I don't know how to feel about this. How do you feel? Well, this uh, quote from Goyer actually gives me a little bit of hope, even though they all kind of say that, (laughs) you know, but uh, he basically said, Gary, who is uh, Gary Barber of Spyglass Media Group, who's going to be behind the remake, is committed to making it uh, something dark and visceral, and he's a true fan of the franchise. So that's cool. Um, You know, I'm excited about that. Goyer also did Blade 2, which okay. is probably, like, his most relevant venture into horror. But, uh, I mean, he's got some hit-or-miss stuff, but overall, I think he's a, a talented writer. Um, I'm excited to see who the director is going to be on this. But Steven Spielberg <laughs> presents Hellraiser. Honestly, I would love if Clive Barker just did it. I would love... I, you know? that, w- that would be bad, because like, why not? Yeah. Because, I mean, Toolbox Murders... Mm-hmm. same director remake and original okay yeah so yeah i mean th- that would be cool for me honestly and one of 
Clive Barker's biggest things is just making sure his vision is realized. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like Stephen King in that aspect is that they're both picky about how their vision is translated onto the screen. So I think what's going to be really important for me is, are they just going to do the whole, uh, you know, story with Frank again? Like, are they going to try to reimagine that or is it going to be a whole new thing? I I would think it's probably going to be like a whole new thing, but like still be like, you know, clive barker-esque mm-hmm. and like it would be cool if he was even if he wasn't directing be somehow involved you know like sam raimi was still involved on the evil mm-hmm. dead remake so like and that was badass it's always when the original dude is com- making a comeback for like a reimagining it's always pretty good but usually when he like abandons it like when john carpenter kind of like you know stopped directing halloween movies they started getting just more and more off the wall and ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah um I don't know. I I am interested because apparently Clive Barker himself wrote uh, a script of a remake of the classic, but it, I I guess it was shelved and now David Goyer's is writing this one. So I am reserving judgment pretty much until yeah. I hear more about who's going to be behind it and whether or not Clive Barker is actually attached. It's not James Wan. <laughs> yeah, I don't really see it's, this being his kind of thing. This honestly. isn't his kind of thing. Yeah. So let's move on, guys. Be on the lookout for more news about that one. Uh, next up is an announcement about the Don Mancini-led Child's Play TV yes. series, which if you weren't aware with all of the Child's Play, I guess, bitching and complaining and, and discussions going on, yes, uh, as we've reported before, there is a, a TV show coming out. Don Mancini's leading it. It's basically going to be a continuation of the movies that ended with cult of chucky so it's probably going to be centered around tiffany and chucky and then like how they're gonna spread Mm. chucky like a virus or something and i'm glad brad dorf is coming back and i'm pretty sure tiffany's coming back too yeah i think so i'm excited to see how the story plays out the news now is that we're going to be seeing this series in 2020 so it's still pretty soon i think it's going to be good because like I like that it's going to be in 2020 because we see what happens when people rush into like making sequels or follow-ups like a year later and a lot of directors and producers are guilty of like trying to get that money grab because of like the the popularity so like I'm glad they're taking their time with this one because like Chucky's like one of my favorites one of my first movies besides Jason Goes to Hell was Child's Mm -hmm. Play and Child's Play 3 so yeah and this is interesting actually a a quote from Nick Antosca who is uh producing the series as well um he actually is the creator of channel zero he said uh the series is going to be closer to the tone of the first two movies in the series which is interesting to me because you know the first two movies i guess out of the whole franchise you could consider to be like the most horror you know leaning of of the chucky stuff three was pretty brutal too though it was but even then it was a little funny cheesy and stuff yeah so uh it's gonna be interesting to see how that blends with like the ever like growing weirdness of just the plot yeah you know from like cult so uh i i am excited um but we still got a little over half of a year or so until 2020 so i just really hope they don't make chucky look like he did in like cult and curse of chucky Mm -hmm. they need to bring back that that original good guy look because like the new one where he just like he looks mischievous but like Mm -hmm. It looks kind of stupid. Like, I didn't like how he really looked in Cult or Curse. You okay, know? yeah. So I guess we're going to get the answers to all our questions. And though, we get to see what happens with Andy. Yeah. Stay tuned for more information on that one. Next up, I'm just going to run through a 
few different announcements because they're all sequel announcements. So we've got sequels officially coming out now for The Collector, oh which is The God. Collector 3. We've got uh, What We Do in the Shadows Season 2 of the TV series, which I've been hearing really good things about and I've been meaning to out. check out. And then we've also got uh, the sequel to Deathgasm. Oh, I still haven't seen Deathgasm. I heard really, really good things about it. Yeah, it's got some funny parts. You know, it's not meant to be taken completely seriously, but the the effects are cool. The story's good. Was that the horror anthology one? No, that was the one about the... uh, Southbound was the horror anthology one. Yeah, Deathgasm was about the like the Norwegian black metal rockers or whatever. Oh. Like those death metal. But yeah, basically a band like that. But they're like a small town band. They're just yeah. like teens or something. But through like the music, they summon either like the devil or some kind of like demonic shit. It's, that it's sounds badass. It, it's a good a- movie. Anything yeah. with metal and supernatural, let's fucking do it. Yeah, I agree. It, no, it was cool. So that's pretty much all the all the news. Once we get more info about the, the sequels in terms of release dates or anything like that, We'll keep you guys posted. I'm so course. excited about the collection. I mean, the Collector 3. The Collector 3, yeah, me too. So let's uh, tell you guys about a couple of new trailers, and then we'll get right into the cult corner. Ooh, so the so, first one, oh the, the biggest trailer uh, release, probably of the last few months, honestly, is It Chapter 2 Dude. for the year. And it's coming out September 6th, which is less than four months away. Mm. And I remember when I was waiting for the remake, well, the movie to come out and like it seemed like it was taking forever and mm. then it got here like that so imagine four months waiting for this it's gonna it's gonna fly by quick and jessica chastain makes her return mm-hmm. well her first appearance in this i meant return to the you know <laughs> yeah the big screen and uh honestly i it looks fucking scary like mm-hmm. i really didn't know where the trailer was going from the start but that's a good thing it wasn't like halloween that just gave us the whole movie like right mm-hmm. then and there and like it was kind of like vague they didn't really like it was basically one of those we need to finally stop this thing and put an end to this trailers you know what i mean yeah kind of it showed one character that was uh not in the first movie but in the book mrs kirsch who is uh the the homeowner now where beverly used to live as a kid now of course she's coming back as an adult and the trailer is largely one scene that first time that Beverly goes back and sees uh, Mrs. Kirsch. And yeah, it's it's pretty creepy because you know there's something not quite right yeah. going on. And I was uh, thoroughly unnerved by Just pretty much trailer, the whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then it showed a, a couple other uh, clips especially, of Pennywise uh, and stuff. Especially which was what was going, around, going on in the background yeah. as like Beverly would turn around every time. That was creepy. It was so fucking good. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited about this one. It's pretty much getting universal uh, acclaim, you know, honestly. And I'm not surprised. I think this movie definitely might be better than the first part. Uh, and it might not even be close. It's because, like, it's it's so different. Like, the first one was, like, coming of age. Mm-hmm. And this one's, like, yeah. we're old. We got to end this. And it seemed like the first one was pretty funny here and there. It had, like, its comedic undertones, whatever. But this one was, like, extremely atmospheric mm-hmm. from the trailer. And, like just an overall depressing feeling movie you know what i mean yeah and honestly in the book whenever there's a part with them like as adults going through the whole you know pennywise thing as they like come back to dairy and they start kind of uh, feeling the the evil and all that stuff again yeah. it, it gets a lot more dark and and 
bloody and everything in the book as well and, and scary so that's what i'm expecting this movie to be I hope even so. more so so yeah be on the lookout guys uh for more info as we have it but it's coming out september 6th the next trailer is the sam raimi produced alexander aja directed thriller or animal horror movie crawl so basically what i've seen is is just it's a croc man they're coming to get you <laughs> Yeah, basically, it's a. Uh, I don't know if it's a croc or a gator. I can't tell the I think difference. They're gators. Yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting for well, actually <laughs> a crocodile. Like, just tell me. I yeah, don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's something to do with like their their snouts or something. But anyway, this movie is about a woman who gets trapped inside her house um, with her injured dad as there's like a category five hurricane or something like that going on. So their house is flooding. And of course it's in Florida where everything bad happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause Florida is well just deserved. a mess. <laughs> Sorry, Florida, but just kidding, Florida, <laughs> but just stop being so fucking crazy and yeah. we'll stop making fun of you. No, it is really crazy. And this movie just exemplifies that. And yeah, she's uh, trying to survive and, and get herself and her dad out of there as they fight off these gator crocs. And, uh, <laughs> It looks pretty good. I mean, the gator croc things are noticeably like CGI. It doesn't look too bad. No, it doesn't look too bad. I just hope that it's not too much in the movie. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, just use some fucking... Why all the CGI? Maybe budget... Just use some real alligators. Not real, but like use mechanical ones. I mean, look, Chucky was mechanical. They didn't fucking CGI Chucky in the originals. I I think the thing with this is that it's it's trying to be a little more action-packed and a lot more like dynamic with the camera movements. Yeah. And that just means that... If you try to use something mechanical, it's just going to be so obvious. And yeah. that was kind of the charm of older movies where they use that stuff because you had to be a little trickier and more subtle with your camera angles yeah. and movements to not make it seem like it's a robot or a doll. Or cemetery wasn't subtle when they threw the gauge doll at fucking right. Lewis. That's why I have problems with that movie. Yeah, but you know what I mean. So Of course, yeah. The, the, this movie definitely has more of like a survival thriller kind of vibe to it so yeah it's one of those yeah but it's coming out july 12th in theaters so i will probably go be seeing it this next one though like mm-hmm. i don't know if it's in russian or ukrainian but it actually it looks like a experimental film like a real genre film mm-hmm. and i really like the trailer even though it looked super low-key yeah it did look uh like it's probably not gonna be super well recognized but uh this is for uh, a movie called Baba Yaga, Terror of the Dark Forest. So bringing back the the Slavic Baba Yaga myth. We all know about yeah. Baba Yaga. We grew up getting threatened a little bit. Mm. If you go to, don't go to sleep at nine, I'm going to call the Baba Yaga. It's like, wait, why are you friends with a demon? Yeah, it's like, why do you just, do you have her on like speed dial, mom? Like yeah. in your Rolo decks? <laughs> That's how it was. <laughs> Rolo, oh my God. Yeah, like, you know, the Tooth Fairy too. you know, Santa, you know, everybody, you know, I don't know these people. Yeah. <laughs> why do you know them? But anyway, the trailer is in a foreign language. Uh, there aren't any subtitles, but you can still find it. It looks cool, though, but because of the, of the language barrier, I don't know what the exact plot is, but it kind of has like that don't knock twice exactly. sort of vibe going on with the plot. It takes place in a house. It was a little, seemed a little darker than that movie. And a, yeah. Like it had a more like, I don't know why it felt like a Hollywood movie, like the way it was shot. Like it was just shot really well. Yeah, it reminded me of Pie Wacket a little bit too yeah. because of like the red string and Except stuff. Pie Wacket was not scary. <laughs> like it was yeah. all right, but it wasn't scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a totally different thing. This one actually 
looks like it's going to feature the Baba Yaga. It's going to be so cool. At least kind of extensively, yeah. Childish childhood nightmares coming to life right now. <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah, uh, we don't have any more information, unfortunately, but this one is coming out of R- Russia, directed by uh, Sviatoslav Podgoyevsky. You know, you know, it's funny. That's the correct pronunciation. I was trying to pronounce it at home uh, before the show, just so I didn't butcher it. Because some Svetoslav Pogdaevsky, yeah, yeah everybody is. is like Russian. Yeah, in, in this, so uh, Svetlana Ustinova, Mariana Spivak, mm-hmm. Yuliana Alexandrova, and Alexei. That's like the, is it Rojin? It might or, be Rojin, yeah, or something like that. Usually the G, the Z makes the J. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the the stars of the movie, and there is actually a, a plot summary on this Bloody Disgusting article, which kind of affirms what we were guessing at, which is that this family moves to a new apartment or like a new house. So something's going on in this in this house, most likely. Yeah. So oh, we just happened to move into the house where the most famous slavic demon resides it's like okay (laughs) right so yeah guys be on the lookout for that one uh the trailer did have what i assume was a date uh at the very end in russian but uh it seemed to say october 31st so we might be seeing uh, our first halloween day movie coming out oh yeah be on the lookout so that's it for the news guys we're going to jump right into our very first segment where we're going to examine a cult classic horror film in the cult corner and in this week's cult corner fiends we have a movie that uh, samuel mentioned before rawhead rex and it's really the perfect movie kind of to begin our discussion of clive barker's works because uh, it was only the second film that he really worked on yeah um and both of the first two the first was underworld also known as transmutations which uh, i don't believe was an adapted clive barker work i think it may have been an original film yeah but rawhead rex was adapted from a a short film in his books of blood kind of anthology of of short stories and this one was a a pretty crazy way to to get into horror really because it was his first really like popular i would say film so rawhead rex is essentially about a giant evil penis god who gets resurrected that's not an exaggeration seriously in uh in what is it scotland or ireland i think it was ireland yeah they're in ireland and there's this huge statue in just this little tiny village and these people unearth it and out comes rawhead rex who is like some kind of deity and it's really kind of up to the villagers to to fight against this monster. And that's essentially kind of what the movie is. Yeah, and it was weird because, like, uh, the church in that area where he got resurrected mm-hmm. had him on the church windows. And, like, there was this crazy priest in there that, you know, kept referring to him as, like, the devil. And then, like, mm-hmm. they keep throwing in these satanic elements, which he wasn't in the movie. I guess, like... But, you know, anytime people unearth, like, a unholy creature that's powerful, they'll be like, the devil. So, like, I yeah. thought it was pretty cool. Uh, the special effects in this movie were, like, a lot better than I was going to expect them to be, which goes to show, like, hey, man, do things practically. It'll work. I thought Rawhead Rex looked kind of, like, kind of goofy, but mm-hmm. he was played by a big dude. So, like, the bulging eyes and, like, the weird mask that he was wearing weren't, like, too off-putting for me. I didn't like that he just like 
killed random people. There's one part in the movie that didn't make sense. He killed a woman's husband, but he didn't kill her because she was pregnant. Yet later on in the movie, he eats a child. So that's what kind of yeah. I mentioned that as it was happening. You remember, and I was that that was kind of very off-putting for me. There's a lot of uh, allusions in in pretty much all of Clive Barker's work in some way to like sexuality and even motherhood in some strange way. And and I I think this one is supposed to be kind of about like fertility. Like there's a lot of phallic symbolism and just, oh, yeah. just the whole deity of, of Rawhead is supposed to be in some way indicative of, of that. Cause his, his head is supposed to be shaped like a penis or something like that. And in the original story, Rawhead doesn't even really translate to like what we see. Clive Barker actually did not like this movie, oh, really? how it came out ultimately. And um, I don't think that he was a huge fan of, of the Rawhead Rex costume either. Yeah. Which is interesting. So the costume was kind of off putting. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was really intimidating about it, the guy playing him was like six foot six and he yeah. would like sprint toward people, you know, <laughs> like Henrik von Schellendorf. Yeah. Yeah, no, that giant Swedish guy. Probably. I agree with that because if I saw that thing running at me, I mean, I'd be terrified. I'm but out. <laughs> I'm out. That bitch. It just ASAP. at least the head, especially, looks like obviously fake. Yeah, the eyes are what like really mm-hmm. gives it off because like they have that like that spaced out look that you could tell has like mm-hmm. no consciousness behind it. And, like you could tell it's just, it's like <laughs> it's just material and not like an actual dude, right? But uh, what I will say for it is that, you know, this movie has become a cult classic. I think definitely in part due to the costume. Yeah. Because people see it now and they're like, wow, it's so cheesy looking. You yeah. Know? And, and so it's it's kind of got that sort of charm to it, I, I suppose. But uh, the movie's actually like pretty dark. There, there's some parts in it that kind of shocked me. I mean, there's one part where just a whole bunch of people get set on fire yeah so i mean this movie is like not really holding back so with like scenes like that we get some of the earliest really crazy like clive barker moments Mm -hmm. but this movie doesn't feel like a lot of clive barker's other stuff afterward and i think that you know that's part of why he didn't like it the tone was a little different than he was expecting this comes off as more of like a rampaging monster movie yeah and I haven't read the short story, but I'm pretty sure that it wasn't like the the thing that he was going for. But I mean, what are some other reasons that it's got the cult status that it has? I think it's definitely like where it takes place mm-hmm. and like the fact that they actually summon like this ancient demon deity and it for no reason starts murdering people because it doesn't really have a plan. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's the thing that really attracted me to this monster. It, like it didn't really have an agenda besides like kill humans for no fucking reason. There wasn't like mm-hmm. some like deep explanation, but then, then again, that also kind of took away from it because a lot of Clive Barker's stuff that he writes and directs is like, has like substance. This was mm-hmm. basically a substance list. Like, Hey, look, we just summoned this monster and now it's killing people. I think it's cult status is because it was an eighties monster flick. And like probably the get up, I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, contributed to that you know making it a cult movie uh it was a uh, surprisingly like well acted at least for howard the the crazy priest was pretty good too declan o'brien portrayed by ronan wilmot yeah he was really good too but 
like a lot of the other like characters like they i don't blame them not being great actors i just blame the dialogue this movie didn't have like a really like mm-hmm. like i said it, it wasn't was, like a tight script it wasn't it was kind of just like hey it's like reg- like how regular people actually talk to each other so i guess it was more realistic in that sense like yeah uh i felt the emotion in this movie was lacking a lot like sure the mm. mom cried when her son got killed but then like howard was like you know like he's just angry like he was like <laughs> since he saw the monster you know his tone mm-hmm. didn't he just got angry as the movie progressed but i felt like i wasn't invested enough in like the characters to really care about like yeah. his son being killed off and all that but i really liked the i like the poster art for this movie mm-hmm. uh i like that we see a lot of rawhead rex like it's mo- mostly centered around his rampage and him killing yeah other than the fact that he just looks like a dinosaur man in this movie <laughs> like i like the i just like how brutal he was you know mm-hmm. it was like it was stereotypical for the 80s you know brut- brutal like body count movie and yeah. this was one of those body count movies you know it, uh, wa- it wasn't like a deep like four people die but you know all this stuff happens like hellraiser for example like mm-hmm. it wasn't hellraiser like sure. it, it wasn't like a deep movie it was just kind of sort of like i don't want to say bland but it was like extremely simple and it just worked because people love monster movies honestly you mentioned it was kind of like a body count movie and yeah. i was just gonna say it feels kind of like a monster slasher exactly. movie, you know except not in the vein of something like superstition or anything because yeah. this is is very much like front and center like here's rawhead rex and and even yeah there there is some backstory as to like his origin and and things like that but yeah everything just kind of happens like he takes over or influences this like priest and he kind of turns against his god and religion and everything and like helps rawhead rex and it's all just very right there and it, it just feels like everything is kind of happening just for the movie to exist you know like there's not yeah. really anything interesting to unpack or or like to, no to wait out for in, in the in the plot and it yeah. didn't really have a message either right and the the thing that we didn't mention today yet i'm surprised that we forgot about this uh rawhead rex <laughs> baptized the evil priest by peeing on him yeah Oh my god! You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I can't believe we forgot. So that. there's definitely a lot of uh, like symbolism and imagery and just weird shit happening that drives these like sexual kind of messages forward. But I don't know. It, it just doesn't come together into anything like coherent. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like all right. There's a lot of like phallic symbolism and and stuff like that. But wh- what exactly does it mean? But, I mean, the movie was, was fun as hell, and there were a lot of, like, gruesome scenes, and that's why I pretty much liked it. Yeah, the, the gruesomeness, like I said, and, it, and it, like, I love body count movies, even if they're bad, you know, because, like, yeah. plus, you know, like, the time period that it fell into, like, it was interesting to see that, because we live in 2019, so for me, like, seeing, like, you know, that time period was just interesting, especially since, like, back mm-hmm. then, like, everyone was so centered around superstition and like now i guess their superstition was justified because rawhead rex reared his ugly head yeah very ugly <laughs> so uh yeah i mean the movie is still definitely a classic but very underlooked and uh, i feel like it's a bit of a rarity 
yeah at least for a lot of people like this isn't uh, exactly a movie that you know even ho- certain horror fans or you know a portion of horror fans even knows like exists yeah so it, it's definitely kind of a gem and uh, if you haven't seen it you should definitely go check it out but like we said before not super indicative of clive barker's cinematic work as a whole and we are going to dive more into that right after this break so stay tuned for a couple words from another srd show hi this is chris and this is roger and if you like tigers baseball major league baseball minor league baseball analytics pop culture references movies sports food check us out look for tigers srd on itunes google play or spotify welcome back fiends so we're going to get into our main discussion here which is about clive barker's kind of cinematic works as a whole and i mean we could just talk at end about the guy himself but i feel like you know clive barker really just translates into his work exactly just like carpenter and craven and all those guys yeah and uh, you know a little different from somebody like stephen king who like a lot of his stuff has been adapted yeah but um, he, he hasn't really, you know, been involved. Yeah. He's not like directed really, or I mean, even produced necessarily or anything like that. So uh, Clive Barker, however, after I guess his disappointment in Rawhead Rex mm-hmm. was like, all right, hold on. You know what? I'm just going to come in and I'm going to direct. And he came out with what is now considered one of the greatest horror movies of all time and it is as well hellraiser that was my dad's favorite horror movie of all time he's like mm-hmm. he used to uh as i'd be watching chucky as a kid and like jason he's like this isn't scary you want scary you watch hellraiser you'll yeah. be scared and honestly like it's you can tell that clive barker like really put his vision into this film because it is like leaps and bounds way darker way more brutal than rawhead rex oh yeah dude rawhead rex is like that body count movie and i mean even though you know people die in hellraiser it's it's not a slasher yeah it's not about like the death yeah and you say that which is funny because like this movie with like the cenobites and everything and all the themes i mean death is like very prominent but it's more like torture you know what i mean yeah it's it's that like sadomasochism yeah, exactly and like the, the whole pleasure angle and that's what separates i think like hellraiser and even hellraiser 2 from pretty much all the other hellraiser films and notably clive barker only had something to do with the first four movies yeah which is why all the like d- direct-to-video sequels are just uh they lack the vision this one didn't yeah. lack vision because he wrote this one and he knew how to like translate it like into mm-hmm. real life it yeah. wasn't like he just wrote it and he like all right whoever can like you know make this into a movie you know here you mm-hmm. go and it's like no he like wrote and directed hellraiser so like for yeah. him this really shined through like his talent as a filmmaker and his talent as a writer to like inject substance into something like just as simple as like torture yeah like ex- like, like metaphysical torture you know what i mean and, well physical too but Mm-hmm. it was no, this was more about like the the metaphysical extents of like the human soul and like mm-hmm. all of that essentially yeah and i mean it's not easy to translate something like that into no. into film because writing it is is so much different because you know you see all the words on the page you can actually feel what 
is being written yeah in a, in a film you really have to play with how the the set looks the lighting the acting and i think everything hits like the highest marks in this movie because it's it's thoroughly unsettling and it keeps it keeps pace going you know it keeps you involved which is good but pretty much every scene is just fucking crazy it is like right from the start and i understand what my dad was talking about with this movie like it truly is scary and like Mm -hmm. i've i found it great because like clive got to like really like whatever was in his head is exactly what was put out so therefore like not only could he like not disappoint himself because like he was the one deciding on everything but he also like let everything shine through on this movie like his vision he made the points that he was trying to make and like he made it probably if he could as dark as his imagination is when he wrote it and like mm-hmm. you you could tell like the type of like movies and like the type of stuff he thinks about like you you could tell like what's really Clive Barker-esque by just looking at like Hellraiser and Nightbreed if you just take those two movies take Lord of Illusions too mm-hmm. like those three and like it's this fantasy but like sure it's fantasy but like it's like strongly horror-based fantasy it's not like pan's labyrinth you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. yeah definitely more horror but the fantasy side is just you know just because of his lore like that's how it is because of the way he wrote the lore and he really translated that well with hellraiser i watched the movie for the first time when i was like actually like in high school and i was like Mm -hmm. damn i should have watched this when i was younger i watched this movie when i was a little bit younger too and it kind of traumatized me even now every time i see it i'm, I'm pretty surprised by just how like macabre and it is and like occultish and and everything this movie is and it's cool because in order to kind of get that fantasy vibe to it he a lot of his work has to do with like these uh these other like dimensions and planes of existence and stuff like that you know and and even though this movie kind of has references to like hell and and you know like his stuff isn't really too much about heaven and hell Mm -mm. right no when he talks about religion and things like that it's it's very subtle and there's usually something more to it yeah it's not just god and satan it's yeah this is like the things like in between that like no one really would like even think Mm. to create yeah, and it's it's very human, honestly, too, because even in this movie, you know, like you can definitely think that the Cenobites are, are creatures from hell or like demons from hell. Yeah, you know, but their whole thing is just <laughs> yeah, their whole thing is just like pleasure. Yeah, you know, that's that's their whole shtick, and it's a very like human thing, which I think is also one of the kind of undersaid things about this movie that really shine through is that like. Uh, all the themes and everything are very like human things the desire you know for for passion and for sex and for everything like that i mean we see it constantly throughout this movie um with uh the wife and and frank trying to bring him back and shit like you see the extents that she's willing to go to like to Mm -hmm. murder people so he could you know get his flesh and all that etc etc yeah it's that whole relationship is very important it's like the plot of the film which is is a lot more clear in hellraiser as well versus like rawhead rex oh yeah so i mean this movie just comes together because it has like a plot structure that actually works it's got those really crazy moments i mean for like what half the movie or like almost an hour or something like that of the movie 
Frank's just walking around skinless. Yeah, that that's like, what really was like. Yeah, ugh. and like and just the way that the house is too. Like this is probably one of the coolest like sets of a horror movie where it's like just a house. Yeah, because that that little like room where everything takes place in the whole house is like kind of falling apart and, and it's just dirty and dingy. And it just manages to be atmospheric with just that mm-hmm. like location. And it it was like. It was more atmospheric there than like let's say when like the Cenobites take you to like the fucking wherever the fuck yeah. they're located and begin the torture like you know mm-hmm. in the other realm. But yeah, this movie did well, and I felt like it was a uh, it was mainly the script because it came together so well. I I don't mm-hmm. know. I know Clive Barker wrote Rawhead Rex. I don't know if he was he like the script writer or just like the writer of like the story. You know what I'm saying? I think he was like the script writer, but obviously that doesn't mean that how it actually translates to to the screen is how you wrote it because it didn't know? didn't have his vision right he should have just trusted himself to direct it and like you said that was probably like the no nah, fuck this they didn't get what mm-hmm. i was trying to do and then hellraiser came about yeah and i think really for for his main works after rawhead rex he realized like if i want this to to look and feel the way that i want it to look and feel i need to really get behind it and, and direct these actors and really have like creative control Mm -hmm. because even hellraiser like the way that it's lit with all the blues and the crazy wild lights like you know that first uh scene where we we see the cenobites and they're like walking through that room and there's like human body parts scattered all over the place and stuff like that like it's a very eerie like mood in that scene and then we like it carries that creepy mood throughout the entire movie and in something like Rawhead Rex and like even like Hellraiser 2 and 3, which he also did not direct, um, you know, I just don't think that we have that same tone. He really brings like that that eerie, like mysterious, occult kind of, I don't know, vibe. And that's what I really like about him. Like, I don't know, man. He's just he's just something else. Uh, I don't think we're going to have another Clive Barker. Sorry, James Wan. Sorry, everyone, modern day. But uh, when it comes to, like, these, like, occultish, torturous, like, with these, like, human messages Mm -hmm. movies, like, and, like, having, like, the same atmosphere and eeriness throughout and, like, the same kind of depth, like, throughout, like, I don't think it's going to get better than Clive Barker. Like, if we're going to have, like, another, like, really good, like, supernatural movie come out in, like, the next three years, like... I'd want to see Clive Barker's take on something that's not Hellraiser related, not in the same realm as Nightbreed or Candyman. I want to see something, something new, even if it's maybe like he should do something like regarding maybe like a famous urban legend or something. That would be cool. I mean, what what I have liked about Clive Barker the whole time is just how much he takes a seemingly like random kind of like storyline and just runs with it and makes it his own twisted thing yeah you know because i mean none of this is really like that commonplace you know pretty much like all of his work is is very original um but i think it would be super cool to see him take on like i don't even know what he could do because a lot of his stuff is very like body horror related but it's about like dread and and suffering and And it's always evil yeah but he's almost like david cronenberg to me yeah yeah. in that you know whatever they're going to do they're gonna do it oh yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and and they always think of like some really crazy twisted shit 
And uh, we definitely haven't been seeing as much of that. If we have, it's like from, you know, foreign movies, but definitely not in, in Hollywood or anything like that. And uh, I mean, Hellraiser was a huge critical success. It's obviously a cult classic now. And from then on, I don't know if he's ever really reached that same level as like Hellraiser, but I, he did direct a, a few more movies and he worked on a, a bunch more stuff. I would say Candyman hit that hit that ceiling too. Candyman's yeah, Night probably Bre- the closest. Nightbreed, not like uh, in like pop culture per se, mm-hmm. but as like cult status, I think Nightbreed is definitely up there with Hellraiser because like I fucking mm-hmm. I watched Nightbreed. You remember the first time a few like months ago, and I fucking loved it, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I'm definitely gonna watch it again like ASAP. That that's I mean that's probably the most Clive Barker esque film in general at least in terms of like the amount of of world building and, and yeah like character development of all the of all the i forget what they're called now but you know the sect of creatures yeah and and everything so and it was probably i guess it was probably like the biggest in scope of like his most popular films yeah but uh yeah it never had this the same like commercial success but i think it has a really like respected following yeah really. like all uh, all the nightbreed people are like super cool you know like mm-hmm. i talk to them on instagram and stuff a lot of the clive barker fans too and like, clive barker fans are like the most chill people like i think he deserves a bigger fan base because everyone mm-hmm. knows hellraiser everyone knows Candyman. i just wish like lord of illusions and nightbreed would have got like the same attention because it seems like even those movies are set in their own like mm. fantasy realm. You know exactly. what I mean? Like the rules don't apply the same in every Clive Barker movie. He comes right. up with something completely different in every movie, unless it's like a continuation, like Hellraiser two was, you know, mm. with Hellraiser one, but like Nightbreed is so different from like Lord of illusions and from Candyman, mm. And he always has some underlying message. That's like not hard to like, really like break down and figure out what he was trying to say. Like Candyman, we know was like mm. a, sociological narrative so yeah i mean there there are a lot of themes and messages you know it's just usually covered up by whatever crazy shit exactly is happening even like uh even like midnight meat train for example uh, is one of his newer works sort of but for a while you don't really understand like what's the like what is this movie about you know what's the purpose of this movie at the end you figure out that you know there's some crazy almost like conspiracy theory type shit going on yeah but for a while there's a lot of imagery and and kind of themes about like people going missing and like do people even really pay attention anymore yeah and like homelessness and and kind of just like the 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 filth of like the city and all that kind of stuff and a lot about like uh like uh bradley cooper his like chick in the movie like she was like really explicit about at least like what he needs to do and like his internal struggle because she's like mm-hmm. you know you're doing this for like you know for this photography thing why don't you just do what makes you happy because now you're yeah. just taking pictures of all this maca- it's like basically telling you not to be a sellout like <laughs> yeah that but- was one of the underlying like at least messages for the protagonist later to be antagonist <laughs> Yeah, but no, he gets he starts getting wrapped up in all this like weird shit and yeah, things basically start kind of going off the rails for him because he doesn't choose like the safe route. Yeah. Almost, you know, he starts pursuing this this thing that he kind of is being told not to pursue, but he feels in his guts like 
there's a reason that I'm doing this kind of thing. And yeah, it's, it's very odd because the protagonists in his film never really feel like people that you necessarily want to root for. Yeah. They're just kind of like human beings going through some, something very extreme as far as like, you know, human desire and things like that go. Like that's a very central thing to, I feel like a lot of his works. I felt like Candyman though was like, had like a, like a wider, like at least like uh, it was a more like, macro message because mm-hmm. you know like i said it was a sociological narrative yeah. so it wasn't really like focused on like any really internal struggles because mm-hmm. like it really wasn't about the main character chick you know i forget her name like yeah no, i, I know my victim whatever yeah but it wasn't it wasn't about her it was a sociological narrative about you know like black and urban life and it i think it did its job i mean we saw what they said about it on horror noir mm-hmm. and they mentioned a lot of things like I didn't notice though, like that were like sort of like, not racist, but like kind of like, kind of prejudice cliches, like oh, this black guy is going after this white woman, what? Which is not really what it was about. Yeah, it was like a more of like an urban legend thing. Like we give, we give these old tales their power, mm-hmm. and then once we start to think critically, and like try to like eliminate these like urban legends and stuff, that kind of like takes away from like. Not who we are, but like, yeah, who we are. I mean, we live, I live in an urban area. So like who we are, like people, like, let's say they just try to dismiss the, the haunted Dickinson West. And like, you know, if they go investigate and like prove that there isn't shit, that kind of kills any, like, I don't want to mystique that mm-hmm. the culture had. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's that whole thing. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of that in this movie too. And this is probably one of the more complex yeah. of like his adapted works because this also came from a story i think called the the forbidden or the forsaken or something like that from his uh books of blood and uh which i don't i don't really think that that one originally was like this in tone with with the race message being so prominent and everything like that but yeah this was definitely one that was a lot more wider reaching and as far as like the the social kind of message so, yeah like you said so that, that it's kind of an interesting outlier because uh, i definitely think yeah, like because it was societal scale which was weird because yeah. he never was like well he did that with nightbreed the class issues you know what i mean the underground yeah. dwellers versus the humans and not being able to get along but this one was more like socioeconomic mm-hmm. centered and racial centered candy man was was very much like more rooted in our like real world sort of exactly it didn't have as many of those like crazy fantasy elements where we go into like the underworld and yeah everything like that you know so like we can kind of put ourselves in those shoes and accept the message a little bit better but i still feel like hellraiser is probably hit his most like prominent film as far as what you think of the clive barker kind of vision being i guess and then he's got some other stories that reach other points which i think are are also interesting and then i mean you know we had like that come out lord of illusions which we haven't discussed before too i think that one definitely was more like hellraiser in regards to like the message you know being very like internalized yeah kind of um and that one is probably one of his more popular ones too but 
you know, we went from having Lord of Illusions, and then the next kind of big one was Midnight Meat Train, and then Book of Blood, which I did watch for the first time recently, and that one was cool. Uh, it was a little bit more tame for, like, a, a Clive Barker work, but... That's uh, shocking. Yeah, again, though, this was, like, not one that he directed. I say that, though, there were some, like, pretty gruesome parts, mm-hmm. but the pacing was, I would say, a little slower in this movie due to the fact that it felt more of, like, a, a typical, like, haunted house ghost movie. Was it, like, did it have, like, the same, like, eerie, dark feelings as his older movies, though? Kind of. It definitely had, like, the sexual kind of elements. Oh, yeah. And, and messages and stuff like that. But uh, the plot was a lot more kind of linear, I would say. Okay. It's it's interesting. I mean, I think you should definitely check it out. It definitely has that Clive Barker feel to it. And I think it was kind of like the last movie of his that I feel had that nuance that like Clive Barker can bring. But uh and since then we haven't really seen too much out of uh, out of old Clive. At least he'll be directing soon. What movie is that? Yeah, so he is supposed to be doing something called Tortured Souls Anime Damnate. <laughs> Uh, which uh, he's listed as a director for. Um, I think it's something out of like a toy line that he's did, kind of okay. similar to Hellraiser, which is pretty interesting. And then, of course, as we mentioned before, there is a new uh, Hellraiser adaptation coming out, but we don't know if he's going to have any involvement with that. Um, I know around like 2009-ish, he had some kind of health issues. So oh, I wonder if... Uh, that's kind of why he's taken less of a role in filmmaking because he's done some other stuff. He's published like some essays and some, he's done like more artwork and stuff like that. Cause he's very big on artwork, which is another reason why every time he's like direct something, the imagery the, is the, like the pra- out of this world, the imagery, the practical effects are like top notch, you know, cause even like practical effects in Hellraiser and the they're Nightbreed, so like yeah, they're super good. Like those, like those aren't really movies that are like, that have cult value because of mm-hmm. cheese. Those are movies that have cult value because they're actually very, very good. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. We haven't been seeing too much, but it looks like he's got more stuff in the works, which I, I am excited about. But uh, I think uh, it is time to move on from that. Clive Barker is a legend, though. I mean, let us know what you guys think about Clive Barker and what your favorite Clive Barker film is. For me, it's Nightbreed. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I think mine has to be Hellraiser. Yeah. So, um, but... That's going to do it for that, guys. We're going to move into our final segment where we're going to look at a new streaming horror film and give you our recommendation or not on The Chopping Block. (coughs) And in this week's Chopping Block Fiends, we have a new movie to hit Shudder, The Ranger. Uh, We saw the trailer for this one not too long ago. And uh, this was the one that I thought was going to like have that... (laughs) that uh the final terror vibe oh yeah and uh i was wrong you know it didn't really know <laughs> it didn't have that adventurous what's out there what's gonna kill us hey we're in the woods vibe mm-hmm. it was just like kind of like a crime slash thriller slash kind of psychological horror i want to say just because like the main character had all these like things she's probably internalized for years and mm-hmm. you could see there was something wrong when she initially tried to avoid that park ranger that she noticed in the the liquor store mm-hmm. and like you could tell there was something up but uh these kids like they go to like this uh this cabin because like 
I forgot what they did. What did they do? Yeah, so they're a bunch of like hooligan punk rockers and they're really into uh, cocaine and yeah. just hard drugs. And they had a bunch of coke is basically what happened. And they were at this club and the cops came and it ended up that they got away from the cops, but one of them shot one of the cops. No. Stabbed. He stabbed. The guy stabbed a cop and then they got away like that. And the girl actually took uh his gun so they have this gun they're on the run from the cops and they they hole up in uh in chelsea who is uh, played by chloe levine she's like the main character in um her old i guess like uncle's cabin yeah in the woods and it's the same place where she knew this park ranger from way back when when she used to go be with her uncle so that's kind of the the premise and she encounters the park ranger again and he kind of comes and, you know, is like hanging out there and being weird. And that's kind of where the story progresses. Yeah. And then uh, clearly, since this movie's called The Ranger, I bet you can guess who the killer is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to spoil. I don't want to talk about like the kills and like the death so sure, much. Sure. I mean, as a general kind of viewpoint, though, like what did you think about the kills without getting into explicit details? But did you like the kills? Did it feel like, you know, how a, a slasher movie should feel? Uh, I think it did not feel like how a slasher movie should feel. Okay. So it did not feel it. I, I was going to try to make the relation to see how I would feel. I was going to see if it felt like anything like maniac cop, no maniac cop vibes. Okay. Uh, it didn't really seem like a slasher it seemed like, more like a, like a dark thriller. Mm-hmm. And like I said, a little bit psychological because of the main actress and like how they try to make us care about her by like mainly focusing the camera on her and like these medium shots and like mm. her having these like zone out moments. So we're like, okay, she's internalizing something and you kind of, well, you do find out at the end what she's been internalizing. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, mm. but it's, it's mainly focused on her, but I honestly could not care enough about her because yeah. like of the people she tried to associate with and like the type of people they were, like, they were just fucking asshole druggies, you know? Yeah. So, like, I didn't really... I, I kind of, like, understood her because, like, she was kind of different from them, you know? She wasn't, like, a... At least they didn't portray her as, like, a junkie, even though, like, if she found that little pouch yeah. of coke. Oh, like, she, was, she was still uh, snorting it up, you know? Oh, yeah, but she just... It just seemed... That's what why I didn't really like it. They tried to make us care for her more than anyone else when mm-hmm. she was, like... Just a little bit different from everyone else, but still like a fucking, you know, yeah, was like shithead ju- punker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So ones you got to feel sorry for because of the upbringing and you're like, oh no, poor baby. Yeah. Whatever. It, it kind of almost wanted you to, to feel that way. Similar to like what Don't Breathe did. It's like, I don't know if I should really care that much for these people. Exactly. Because they're trying to like rob this old blind guy. And it's the same thing kind of here. It's like, these are some some fucking punks on the run right you know on the run from from committing a crime basically and from the cops and everything it's like why should we care for me like the ranger i would see him as the protagonist but like he's more like that i would say he's an anti-hero honestly like Mm. yeah he does take like the law to extremes no doubt but still he's Mm -hmm. like i'm not saying these kids deserve to die but one of them like stabbed a cop 
yeah. you know what i mean so it's like okay it's it's very much like two sides of the coin and it offers you this like weird moral dilemma yeah that's because what... it's it's like the the youth rebellion kind of thing versus the authority figure thing exactly and it's important in this movie actually because it does have this retro vibe which we haven't really talked about yet but there's a huge retro vibe to this film oh, yeah because no one's punk rocker anymore yeah, it's very much meant to take place in like the 80s or whatever, and there's like a, a punk soundtrack to it, which I will say, I think the, the soundtrack was definitely one of the highlights of this movie. I think so, yeah. And uh, even some of the imagery and like the editing that goes into it kind of has those those 80s retro vibes. It like puts you through the eyes of some of these people as they're like getting coked out, so it's kind of trippy. You know, so the aesthetics there, I get it, and I get why it exists in like the wake of this whole like authority figure versus versus these like rebellious youths kind of thing but you know it it's difficult because the authority figure here is also like a crazy psychopath and he's really stuck up yeah and he's like you're not going to litter in my forest yeah he's like <laughs> he's like super this is my forest yeah. like he's one of those like the only thing he's ever known like his dad was a park ranger and his dad before him was a park ranger he's like i'm a park ranger through and through i don't like, think park rangers existed for like 300 years yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> but it's just it's very very odd for sure and like when you see him and you hear him talk you're just very turned off because you're like if a person like this really exists i'm going to try to avoid them at all costs yeah he seemed I mean? to be nutcase is a understatement yeah. but he was trying to be i guess moral in his own way but uh yeah. yeah he did not go the right way about it that's all i'm gonna say it was very interesting too and when you like do consider it from uh, a realistic perspective which you know we try not to do with films too much but some things are just very odd yeah it's like you know is he the only park ranger here like is, is nobody else overseeing him like where are all the other people it's just very, very strange that he's just like roaming around here, just killing random, <laughs> random people just because they're like kind of dickheads. And one of them who he happened to like know just by yeah. chance they ran into each other. Yeah. And like their whole relationship, I wasn't really feeling it too much. It, no. It felt a little bit forced. Like I almost would have rather it had just been a group of random teens getting killed by someone random. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I don't know. It just didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Because like you said, it tried to introduce these like psychological elements into it. And uh, there's a lot of flashbacks. And I don't know. I think it was trying to do a little bit just much in that respect. There was pseudo substance. That's what I didn't like about it. Like there was yeah. no real like if this movie didn't get made, like mm -hmm. it's the same thing as now. Like You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I felt I, like it was like hella pointless i think the character of chelsea could have been done way better if they just again didn't make her have any connection with this ranger yeah didn't give us all the flashbacks and stuff if you really wanted her to have like this heroic redemption kind of thing you could have just taken all that stuff out all the backstory and everything out presented her as this like punk rocker chick and had her progress in like kind of the same way where she's sort of turning around and becoming her own woman and everything like that because she's very much like hounded by her dick boyfriend the whole time yeah exactly and everything so which you want him to die like right off the bat dude he was the first person i wanted to die yeah so that could have been a lot better um i mean the pacing and everything was fine there was a lot of action happening like pretty consistently so it never like completely lost me 
but a lot of the story elements, the character elements, they were bland. Uh, yeah, just kind of question. I felt like it was a bland movie. It tried too hard to like, not cinematography wise or look wise, just like premise wise, like remind us of like eighties throwback like body count movies, and mm-hmm. I think it failed, man. Okay, so in your opinion, this movie, yeah, chopped. Okay, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it, but I will say probably chop this one just because there's more interesting stuff out there i I get what they were trying to go for with it but some of the decision making and like the script and everything was i don't know it it was just uh, a little unacceptable to me like you should have thought about it a little bit more i feel like but i like what they were trying to go for i mean the whole like punk rock thing was cool that was cool seeing that the the soundtrack was dope i mean for the most part the cinematography was fine I, i liked some of like the pov shots and stuff like that that they were trying to go for but i don't know it it felt a little too cluttered with how everything was like happening in the movie i felt like they were trying to like throw a bunch of things at us and like the how they paced that was not well either like the kill the kills and like what was happening was paced well but like the like the psychological elements and like Mm -hmm. all the flashbacks the way they threw them in there it felt really like out of place like like it, that shouldn't have happened you know what i mean we could have just yeah. left it into like n- not focus so much on her and her flashbacks and her like paranoia and her mm-hmm. trauma because like that's i mean in the end like whatever she it's like redemption i i guess i wouldn't call that redemption yeah but still though i felt like it was substanceless it was definitely an excuse just to like provide some kind of interest in the character yeah i feel like because it literally goes from hey here's this group of punks and they're like junkies and now they're escaping and everything to like you know now here's this huge backstory about this one main character and like this is why you know she has a connection to this place and it was it was very just like contrived i feel like she was just the main character just because she was Mm-hmm. not that she was like a virgin or a good person she was just a less shitty person than the other people basically which yeah. is not a horror movie trope <laughs> thank you so that's another 80s throwback thing that it tried to do that failed like yeah um notably though not a lot of like references yeah necessarily no. which is I, I i think it's pretty good but yeah guys um this one we think that you can skip it uh monster party was so much better yeah it was a lot more just enjoyable to me so yeah yeah if you if you haven't uh checked out our recommendation on monster party though you should go check out our last episode yes if you want something that you do not want to feel like what the fuck just happened after you watched it well you will be like what the fuck happened but like what the fuck happened that was great like you know what i mean i think so yeah it was really enjoyable Mm -hmm. honestly if you're thinking about watching a movie right now and you seen the rain you saw the ranger pop up just go ahead and skip it and watch season four of Lucifer. All right, there you go. So, which I'm so happy is back on. I still haven't yeah. watched it yet, so I'm gonna get started like very really soon. I know that's a big win for like the horror TV community. So, oh yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> oh, oh hell yeah. Uh-huh. So, guys, that's gonna wrap it up now. Um, you can let us know what you think about all of the films that we've talked about today at, at our social media. We have a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Grave Discussions or Grave Disc SRD on uh, Twitter. And we have a website, gravediscussions.net as well, where you can check out all our episodes and much, much more. 
and our host bios if you want to know a little bit more about us mm-hmm. uh we got to edit those soon because like my top favorite horror movies has like switched around since i've seen more now yeah, so mine always does <laughs> yeah so we're we're gonna update that soon mm-hmm. you'll notice it if you catch us week after week and hopefully you catch us next week on grave discussion <laughs> This has been an SRD production.